This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts this morning, Brandon Clark, joined by Brad Gray. We got the uh, here, B Squad. The B Squad. Yeah. Yes, we're having a good time. We're in our last segment. Um, here, I, I want to throw out a random number here. Okay. Okay. The the random number that's coming to me is five hundred and thirty. Hmm. Five hundred and thirty. Sounds amazing. Do you want to know why I'm bringing up five hundred and thirty? Tell me. That's because that's the number of dessert recipes in Volume Three of Father Damien Schill's new cookbook that's going to be coming out. Oh. <laughs> It's just all about dessert. That sounds amazing. 530, Brad. Oh. What, what a, would you do with yourself every day of the year? I would quarantine, I'll tell you that. <laughs> every day of the year, except for Lent, of course. Yes. 530. Yes. So yes. let's let's bring Father Damien Schill in uh, to talk a little bit about that. Uh, good morning, Father Damien. Good morning. How are you this morning? Um, okay, I'm at the hospital working in my office. Sure, sure. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, but... Uh, you know, we, we do want to begin with a, uh, a lighter side of things, and uh, Brad is particularly yeah. interested in this because, oh, yes. you know, 530 dessert recipes, how do you come up with that many, Father? It's over the years. You know, I, I find recipes I like, I tweak them a little bit and make them, and a lot of times I've never served the same thing twice. Mm. Wow. So that's part of the reason that there's so many of them. So let's back up. What are we talking about here? Uh, you're a cookbook author. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, a number of years ago, Rayanne Lease, who is um, my housekeeper at the Holy Spirit in Fargo when I was there, her and I talked about making a cookbook because we both really like cooking. And Rayanne eventually became the cook at Cardinal Minch, and then she became the bishop's um, housekeeper. And But unfortunately, she died a couple of years ago from breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I still continued the process. And so Volume 1 came out three years ago, and then last year the Entrees version came out. Then this year is the, just the desserts volume, so it's three volumes of books. That sounds exquisite. I, I am pumped. Brad doesn't know what to do right <laughs> yeah. now. Speechless. He went, first of all, he wants to know when the book is coming out. Mm-hmm. The book came out two weeks ago. Oh, boy. And now he knows, and wants so to know you. where he can get it. Okay, Brandon's going to take the rest of the show. i got to leave. <laughs> I <gotta get> it. <laughs> well, it's available at Hurley's and Fargo. And then in the Twin Cities, it's available at St. Patrick's Field and Leaflet Missile. And you can either you can call them or just go on their website and get it that way. Or if you're in Fargo or the cities, you can just pick it up at the store. What is it about Food Father that, that attracts you? you know, what, and and maybe, maybe a follow-up question to that is, what makes food so Catholic? Hmm. Well, when, the reason I started this whole thing is when I was, before I was ordained, I lived in Denver and They'd have these parties, and I would hire people to do them, which just could be expensive to do, mm-hmm. have catering. And so I figured, if you can read, you can cook. If I can read, and so I can cook. And that's kind of how the whole thing started back in the 1980s when I was there. And just kind of developed over that. I, I like cooking. Like Ray and the, One thing about Ray and I both is we both really enjoy the prep planning. And so the more elaborate, the better Mm. And when I used to live in Fargo, I used to do the, the Fargo Opera would ask me to do dinners for them as part of their fundraiser. And so Bishop Sullivan let us use the bishop's house to stage these dinners. 
And so it was, it was quite a success and really a fun thing to do. And when I had the Holy Spirit, in fact, we did a lot of dinners. And then when I was pastor at St. Bernard's in the Risk and Sacred Heart in Cranborn, I also did a lot of dinners there. So, Father, kind of going off on um, Brandon's second point, there is something very profound. I mean, the Lord even makes himself available to us as a meal, right? And and he wants to enter into us in this way. So what what is there's there, there's something more than just sitting down and eating. There's a, there's a there's a significance to sharing a meal, right? What what do you um, how does that impact you as a priest? Well, kind of that I reflected on that in the um, introduction of Volume Two, where I talked about the importance of of food in our Catholic life and how they be sharing in this is really sharing in, in Christ Jesus. It's not the same as the Mass, mm-hmm. but then all, all the preparation that goes into it. Our Lord prepared us for three years by His presence for this Last Supper that He had with us, and then He gave Himself to us. This is the very essence of our Catholic faith. It's Christ's true presence in the Eucharist, and how important it is for us to continually encounter Jesus in our daily lives. And it's, you know, for a lot of people, going to daily Mass is a really essential part of their, their lives. When I'm cooking, I'm thinking of the people I'm preparing the meal for, mm-hmm. and I always want everybody to have the best um, food and the best experience that they can have. And that's what Jesus did for us, in giving himself to us in the Eucharist. He wanted us to have the best experience of him, and that's why he shared himself so thoroughly with us. Mm-hmm. On the human level, you know, I'm the Director of Marriage and Family Life for the Diocese of Fargo, and you often hear, when you speak about family life, the importance of sharing a meal together as a family. So there's something on on a very human level that's that's profound in that ability to share a meal. What what is that experience like for you? As you you know, you've prepared the meal, you've been thinking about the people that that you're going to, you're cooking for, and then you sit down and there's kind of this consummation, so to speak, um, of of the, this communion. What's what's that like? Well, food becomes a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, without food, we will die. And the same thing without Christ in our lives, you know, our spiritual lives will die. And the food actually becomes part of who and what you are. You know, so whatever you eat becomes a part of you. Your body absorbs it, uses it, gives you the energy to do what you need to do, all these sort of things. So food is absolutely essential for life. And I think for us as Catholics, you know, it's the same thing for us. The Mass is essential for life. Without the Mass, how do we live? How do we go forward in our lives? We stumble along and we find sometimes other divergions, but never real happiness. There's no real happiness without Jesus Christ being the central focus of our lives. I love, Father, what you're talking about in, as far as the preparation of the food goes, mm-hmm. right, and thinking of the people you're preparing for. I think it's probably easy to just, you know, rush in at the end of the day and, and try to throw something together so that your family can have a meal. But but talk more about the, that that spiritual aspect of preparation and Maybe even that how how that relates to our our spiritual preparation in receiving the ultimate food, right? The Eucharist. Well, one of the things I'm hearing from from people that I work with is the pandemic has brought them a lot closer together as a family because now they're not running here, there, here, there. They're actually sitting down and preparing meals together, mm-hmm. eating meals together, and actually getting to know each other better. And that's what the whole essence of a family meal is, and it's even in, at Mass, that's what we do. You know, we have the time together, and we have fellowship afterwards, and go out and then witness to Christ by the way we live our lives. But, you know, 
family need to have this time together. Yes. Yeah. If you're just tuning in right now, we are speaking with Father Damien Schill, um, who's on loan from the Diocese of Fargo to the military services, serving as a military chaplain at the Veterans Administration uh, Healthcare System in Minneapolis. Um, Father, so there's we've been talking about um, your your love, your passion, uh, really in many ways your art uh, as as a cook, as a chef, um, and sharing that meal with other people. But there's another part of your ministry. Uh, as a chaplain, and that's where you're calling us from right now. What has this been like right now during this this time of the pandemic? And what's what's that experience been like for you, in, particularly in your ministry? Well, here in Minneapolis, I'm the chief chaplain. I supervise 54 people in our area. And when the hospital was closed down to outsiders, when the pandemic started, we have three units of COVID patients. We have the intensive care unit, and then people who do not need intensive care, and then the transition unit when, the, when they transition back out. And so I've taken care of all the COVID patients myself. Mm. There's the hospitals in the hot section and the cold section, and I have taken care of, like this morning before I talked to you, I was on the COVID unit visiting with the patients, taking communion to the Catholic patients and, mm. and whatnot, and also trying to support the staff, because this has been a very stressful time for our medical staff, social workers, janitors, everybody that it takes to run a hospital. And, you know, I think one of the things you, when we talk about hospitals and we talk about COVID is, is a lot of times there's last rites involved, you know, and we, we've heard stories of the challenges of, of getting priests mm-hmm. into into hospitals and, and being able to administer last rites. But, but you've been there, Father, and uh, you've been able to do that. Talk about the beauty of, of being a priest and being available to those who are on their deathbed to be able to give them those last rites? Well, as I want to just be on their deathbed, but being for them, because they're alone. Mm-hmm. And there's no visitors allowed in the hospital. They can only talk to their family and friends by phone or by Skype or something like that. It's not the same someone sitting there. And so what we try to do as a staff is to be present to these patients, not just think, well, you're going to do your thing and then leave, but be with them. Because I know several patients who have died, the nurse has stayed with the patient and held the patient's hand as the patient is dying because no one else is, is able to be there with them. And for, for me, for dealing with patients, because you know, we have all different kind of religions here, but they all believe all kinds of different things. And so we try to meet them where they're at with their religion, not impose another kind of religion upon them. But for Catholic patients, we get some absolutely beautiful death here. We had a, a one man who was 98 years old. And um, I went and saw him when the Christian first came, anointed him, prayed with him, gave him Holy Communion, see him again and again. So he, he finally he died. And other patients, I mean, one guy was basically unconscious. I went into his room with my, all my little PPE stuff on. And then I said, well, he's not really responsive. He just thought, you know, there's really no point. I'm like, yeah, there's always a point. And so we went in and with him and made him sign the cross, begin the prayers. Then he started mouthing the, the prayers a little bit. Mm. The nurse was just like astounded. Mm. And then at the end, I was leaving, and he said, thank you, Father. Mm. And that wow. night he died. Wow. You know, and so a lot of times people think that patients aren't aware or they're not, just because they don't respond for something in particular. What I found with Catholic patients in particular, and those who are devout, that 
they come out of there whenever they're in, so they can participate in the prayers. I've seen people make the sign of the cross who are, you know, unconscious, you know, and so there's this real power in the word of Jesus Christ. There's real power in the presence of the Eucharist. There's real power in the presence of the sacrament. And my thing is, the priest, if we're not with our people during the time of crisis, they don't need us at all. Mm. You know, if they really think just being with them with the good times, they don't need a priest for the good times. They need a priest to be with them when they're in crisis. Yeah. Yeah, Father, I mean, gosh, it's so powerful um, what you're sharing. And I can only imagine that, you know, you've you've had the privilege of serving uh, in the hospital here for many years now. Um but there's there's something unique about the role that you play right now. You've been able to bring the sacraments to the to the sick and the dying, um, you know, for for years. But right now, you're also a bridge between them and, in many ways, the rest of humanity uh, and 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 the Lord God certainly. Um, oh gosh, and you were given an award recently because of the work that you're doing with the COVID patients. I would like to hear you share a little bit about the award and about what that's been like for you as a priest chaplain to be able to be that presence uh, for those who can't be with their loved ones right now? Well, the last thing I'll do is I'll call the family of the patients, you know, and tell them, you know, what's going on, who I am, you know, Catholic, whether Catholic patient or non-Catholic patient, I call them no matter what. You know, especially when they're in the dying process, they're getting towards you. They want to make sure that all the patients get what they need religiously and spiritually, you know, some families are totally indifferent. Like, yeah, well, you know, he didn't believe in any of that stuff, so it doesn't, we don't care about it. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. That's their choice. But then other families have been very, you know, grateful and cheery and whatnot that someone is able to be there representing, you know, Christ, representing the Church with them. And so it's the whole idea of loneliness that people experience yeah, can be sometimes overcome by just by doing those little interactions. And you were, as, as I mentioned, you were given an award right now that I think it was, what, 12 people out of the 4,700 employees uh, at the Minneapolis VA just recently you received this award. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I got it on Monday, and it was, it was kind of funny because they, they said, you're going to be named employee of the month. And I'm like, okay, what's the big deal about that? You know, because you also don't really think. And then someone said, well, you know, there's, we have 4,700 people, and you're chosen as one out of 4,700. Mm. So it is a big deal. Yeah. And it's also then a big deal for chaplaincy because the staff see how important chaplaincy is in the hospital. So, you know, they choose different people from all the different disciplines over the year, but there's only 12 a year that are chosen. And so this, I got a message from headquarters in Washington, D.C. yesterday congratulating me on, on this award, too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a pretty big deal That's from awesome. the VA standpoint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and in, in, uh, in a, a letter from a patient I've got here, uh, it's it's in the uh, the, the release for, for the award. Um, they said, losing our dad to COVID-19 virus was truly awful. Your visit to him to bring the sacrament of the sick and Holy Communion at the risk of your own life stands out as a witness of Jesus in the world. We can't describe how much it meant to us when we were kept away from him. You've been a great comfort to Dad and his seven children. You know, Father, talk about that. You know that that idea of a, a witness of being a witness of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, he he approached the leper. He wasn't afraid to heal the leper and to spend time with the leper. And um, in many ways, this isn't the same. But in in many ways, there, there is something mm-hmm. about our priests 
serving a unique role in this time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, this, I think as priests, as I mentioned earlier, is we need to be with the people in crises and then be the bridge, because in this particular case, the, the family was not being realistic about expectations. And so I called them and talked to them and said, you know, this is probably not going to end the way you want it to end. I said, we hope it does, but I said, you have to realize every time you talk to your dad or grandpa, you need to realize it may be the last time that you do. Hmm. And it, just, it brought it home to the, that particular family, and they were able then to begin the process and grieve um, appropriately. Hmm. But it, and at first it was really sad when this COVID started that people were not allowed in at all. And now it's changed a little bit. And sometimes when people are actively dying, we will let families come in and tell you know, not the whole family, but just a couple of people, because we don't want them to take the disease out of here, you know, and then give it to somebody else, too. And everybody has to follow the exact, you know, regulations for PPE and all this sort of stuff. And everything, we don't want anything to be haphazard. Right. We've got to afford our medical staff to get sick with this and be gone. If this medical staff is gone, we can't take care of the patient. You know, and so this is what why these precautions are extremely important. Well, it's, it's truly inspirational, Father. I thank you for, you know, your courageous witness um, and your presence there of, of being the Lord God's presence, the presence of the family, to the people who are suffering there. Um, and on, on the lighter note, I, I, I delight in the other offerings that you're making in terms of the, the cookbooks. And uh, it's just, what a, what a beautifully unique priestly ministry you have. Uh, and it's just a, a privilege to talk to you. Um, you know, we're coming kind of toward the end here, but are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share, Father? Just to realize that everybody is a person. Mm. We have to look at every person as made in the image and likeness of God. And, you know, coming off the riots and things we've had here in the Twin Cities and all the hurt and damage done to the community, we forget that we're all brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. There's no white, black, green, pink, or any of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're all made in the image and likeness of God, and we need to realize that, see that, and truly believe that. Mm. That's that's a beautiful message. And remind us one more time uh, where we can get your cookbook, which was released a couple weeks ago. At Hurley's and Sparkle, and then at St. Patrick's Guild and Leaflet Missile mm. in the Twin Cities. Excellent, and that's cooking. And they, can, they have them on their, they're on their website. You go on their website. Excellent. Type the name of the cookbook, and you'll find it. Excellent. And that's Cooking and Eating with Father Damien and Friends, Volume 3, 530 dessert recipes. Oh, 530. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's enough for, Father Damien, you were saying, that's enough for two years if you skip Lent and, and maybe Advent? No, I think you can do Advent. You'll oh. enough for Advent. There we go. There you go. So, all right, Father, thanks so much for being on with us this morning. We, we really appreciate it. And, and as just to echo what Brad said, yeah, thank you for your priestly ministry. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Well, that's bringing us to pretty close to the end of our show, which means uh, the guy who has been waiting to get on all day that's right. is now going to get his opportunity. He's doing the happy dance. Eli, what's coming up on Monday? Hey, thanks, Brandon. Great show today. Another great show coming up tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Well, we will have shows tomorrow. 
but there'll be encore shows. Mm. So you, well, you'll want to tune in for those. But our next live show will be Monday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network, hosted by Father Craig Vosick. He'll be coming to you from the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. We'll visit with Monsignor Patrick Schumacher of the Diocese of Bismarck about celebrating the real presence of the body and blood of Jesus. Then Father Craig Vosick of the University of Mary will sort of banter a bit about meeting God in the silence. Plus, some special guests will share the spiritual impacts of their pil- pilgrimages to Medjugorje. All that and a whole lot more is coming up Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on The Real Presence Radio Network. Excellent. Thanks, Eli. Yeah, and uh, just to fill that in a little bit, Father Vasek's going to talk about silent retreats and the beauty mm. of silent retreats and the mm. experience that he's had. I I can totally relate with silent retreats. I, I enjoy them. I've got one coming up here at Broomtree. Mm-hmm. They have lots of silent retreats for men and women. Um, and so check those out if you uh, are looking to go on a silent retreat in a beautiful location at uh, Broomtree Retreat Center. Yes. You know, uh, as I was listening to Father uh, Damien Schill, um, you know, and we were talking a little bit about a message of hope uh, a little earlier before Michael came on. And um, I, I think I just want to, Brad, throw out this message of hope that, mm. that really struck me was that if you can read, you can cook. <laughs> that is a message of hope. That is a so message of hope. So you said that you weren't a, a very good uh, cook. True. But, but he did say, if you can read, you can cook. So, you know, that, well, that I'm going to study the alphabet, is, man. I'm going to go study the alphabet. <laughs> no, uh, but in all seriousness, um, we, we have to be able to laugh a little bit, right? Yeah. We, we have to be yeah. able to find joy even amidst everything that's happening. Right. And that was kind of one of the cool things combinations that we saw this juxtaposition with Father Schill is that you have this really light aspect of writing cooking cookbooks while he's working in a, you know a hospital ministry with dying people it's it's just awesome it's very healthy i think yeah absolutely so we we sure appreciate everybody tuning in this morning for real presence live again be sure to tune in on monday with father craig vasic from the university of mary 9 to 11 Central, and every day we have Real Presence Live Monday through Friday with Encores on Saturdays. We'll see you Monday on Real Presence Live. Stay with us for much more programming here on Real Presence Radio. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.